Chapter 71 Big Finish Nix and Tiago stared at each other. Neither seemed to be able to speak. Finally, Tiago said, Mr. Urbanak speaks Spanish. What do we do? Nix asked. Where did you say you found this note? Nix grabbed her backpack and pulled out the black shoe. Inside this? But as she handed it over, she caught a glimpse of the bottom of the sneaker and the portion missing from the heel. So it hadn't been the roof jumper's footprint, but Urbanek's, who must have escaped out the same way earlier. It really was him, Nick said, as if in a trance. Alex had desperately wanted information from Sarah, about his family and about a stone. But Nix had told Abendroth that Sarah didn't know anything. Did that mean that Alex had at last given the order for Urbanek to take her out? Was that when Urbanek had gone to the police? Padilla, whack, came Mrs. Finkbone's whisper shout. Curtains up in 30 seconds. Get into position. We have to tell the police, Nick said. And Jordan. We will, Tiago said, as soon as the performance is finished. Phoenix, Finkbone shouted, this time without the whisper. Nix jumped up and made it on stage just after Jordan, whose costume was looking a little battle-scarred, but not showing more skin than was appropriate for a school function. From the moment of the first roar of laughter, Nix once again lost herself in the world of oi. Every few seconds, she'd glance toward the packed auditorium and think how lucky she was to be up there doing what she loved. Just before the lights came on for the climactic scene where Dorothy confronts the Barracuda, Nick spotted a large woman with a turban looking in from the foyer. She'd come. Maybe for once Nix had done something to make her mother proud. Then the hair on Nix's arms prickled with cold. A wave of nausea hit her, and she knew immediately that evil spirits were in the room. More than one and she got the sense that they wanted her to know they were there. Still struggling to breathe, Nick scanned the audience. She didn't know what or who she was looking for, but it was the only thing she could think to do. Then she saw, if not what she was looking for, something that made her blood pressure spike all the same. Jordan. But that was all that would come out. Should she stop the performance? There was no time. Go, Mrs. Finkbone hissed. Somehow Nick's managed to take her place on center stage but her eyes didn't leave the line of faces on the back row. Fawn, Brian, Eric Patterson, Dylan Porter, Chris, and Robbie. Clearly they knew each other. She could see them whispering. Had Eric figured out that Jordan had turned him in? Or had Fawn simply recruited local hoodlums into her new entourage? Robbie tossed something to Dylan. It was hard to tell from far away, but it looked like a stuffed animal with ribbons trailing from it. No, not ribbons intestines. Right before the lights came up, blinding Nix, the line of sixteens pulled pillowcases over their heads and stood up. Vaughn had lied. There were no football players. It had always been Eric and his stoner friends. Nix was in the middle of her first line when something hard slammed into her stomach and made her double over in pain. A collective gasp went up from the crowd, and people began shouting. Nix felt something slick and wet on her costume. Another small object flew over her head, Jordan reached out to help Nix, but then stumbled backward, clutching his throat. His crutches slid out from under him, and he fell hard onto his side. When he removed his hands, yellow slime and pieces of white shell dripped down the front of his costume. Nix rushed to help him up. That egg had come from somewhere off to the side. The group of six hoodlums weren't the only ones throwing breakfast food. How had Fawn recruited others if she wasn't even going to school anymore? Apparently, she still had a few loyal followers at Cross High. Two more cast members got hit before the actors all started diving for cover. 
Several flopped onto their bellies and crawled back toward the aquariums. A few jumped off the front of the stage and ducked behind the seats. Before Nix could make it off stage with the other refugees, the house lights came up, exposing the egg launchers. All around the auditorium, positioned at regular intervals, students cradled half-empty cartons of eggs. A few had gotten the pillowcase memo, but several were unmasked. Nix recognized most of them from the rainstorm protest on the Cherry's front lawn. Had the ghost nuts become Fawn's new groupies? As Nix suspected, the cross-high football team, whom Fawn had supposedly invited, weren't involved in the prank. In fact, they were clamoring over seats to get at the out-of-town egg throwers. Three of the hulking players descended on the back row. One took a right hook to the face from Brian. Fawn had the good sense to get out of the way, but the rest of her criminal clan readily joined in the violence. By now, the barrage of projectiles had all but stopped, and the cast turned their attention to the brawling going on in the aisles. Beefy athletes, pumped full of adrenaline and school pride, threw their fists at anything resembling a pillowcase. Brian was holding his own and seemed to be taking on two guys at once. Most of the spectators were now struggling toward the exits but kept finding themselves in the middle of the debauchery. Some of the adults in the crowd attempted to pull kids off each other. Mr. Turtletab, however, joined in the fray and looked to be having the time of his life. Jordan laughed in disbelief as he studied himself and wiped raw egg out of his spikes. Nix had to admit, it was an incredible sight. Watching the entire audience swarming like a mass of battling insects, Mrs. Finkbone grabbed a microphone and attempted to calm the crowd. No one paid any attention to her. She kept it up until an egg flew dangerously close to her face. About that time, various screams erupted. Nix looked down to see a guy get thrown over two rows of seats. She couldn't help but be glad she was safe up on the stage. Others seemed to notice the security of the high ground and scrambled up the stairs to get away from the testosterone explosion below. She glanced at Jordan, who was showing every one of his braces in a wide grin. Well, the show had ended early, but what an ending it was. At least no one could say it wasn't a night to remember. The noise level of the crowd rose until it hurt Nix's ears. She noticed a boy with a gash over his eye, blood streaming onto his face. Jordan pointed at something else. Nix followed his line of sight to a girl of about ten, who was standing on a chair holding a toddler. Where were her parents? Suddenly Nix felt sick. This was getting out of hand. Mr. Slowey charged into a mass of writhing bodies and ended up tackling Walter Snodgrass, who was clearly terrified. An older lady tried to escape from her section and got knocked back against the stage. Jordan's grin faded. I should call my dad. How long will it take him to get here? We have to do something now. Jordan gave her an exasperated look. What did you have in mind? Flashing the lights? Nix couldn't tell if Jordan was serious, but she doubted a light flicker would have much of an effect. They needed something dramatic, like a fire alarm or a megaphone. A thought struck her. What if I scared the living crap out of them? I've already considered setting the curtains on fire, Jordan said. I'm not sure it's the best option. I'm going out. Out of body? No. Just for a second. If a demon takes over, you'll hear me screaming in your head, in which case you have your dad arrest me until I can figure out how to get back in. I'll pull the fire alarm. Do you even know where it is? Can you get there on crutches? What if everyone ignores the alarm and keeps pounding each other? This is not a fight. It's a riot. As if on cue, Eric Patterson threw the piano bench into the crowd of wrestlers. Self-defense. Right. Mrs. Winkle should have sued the pants off him. Jordan growled. At least let me lower you down the lift. You won't be as likely to get trampled if you're under the stage. With people falling over themselves to escape the brawl, no one seemed to notice Dorothy slowly sink into the floor. Three feet from the bottom, Nix hopped off the lift and spread herself on the cold, gritty concrete. Be careful, Jordan yelled down. 
I'm going to go find Tiago and use his phone, although surely someone has called the police by now. Nix didn't respond. Pain fluttered in her chest. Then, she was out of herself and among the multicolored stage lights. The scene seemed even more horrific experienced through her sharpened senses. With graphic clarity, she saw individual teeth get knocked out. Every spot of blood glowed like a neon sign. She had to stop this stupidity. A dark blot drew Nix's attention to the far side of the auditorium. A particularly violent altercation was taking place. A bald guy who looked to be one of the football players was repeatedly smashing Robbie into the wall. Standing next to the large boy with a hand on his shoulder was Lamia. Nix would have recognized that profile anywhere. The cruel beauty, the distilled hatred flowing off her in waves. She spoke to the bald guy in a voice of a thousand tortured insects and grinned while Robbie was beaten. Lamia seemed too engrossed to notice anything around her. If she saw Nix, she would certainly go looking for the lifeless body. In a panic, Nix returned to hover over herself. After a moment, she peeked up through the stage. Lamia was still focused on her little project, but as Nix watched, another player pulled the bald kid off Robbie. Lamia drew closer to the bald boy and again spoke into his ear. Almost immediately, he shoved his teammate and they began a wrestling match on the stairs. Lamia laughed. Nix wanted nothing more than to don her skeleton and get as far away from this school as possible. But she was probably the only person who could help end this. Another flash of black drew Nix's eye. She gasped. Three dark beings had joined hands around Brian, somehow keeping him inside the circle as he pounded, kicked, and generally tried to smash anything within reach. Flip, flip, flip. There were too many of them. Surely one of them would see her out of her body, and then it would be all over. A white light appeared behind her. It felt somehow wrong to her, out of place. Nick shifted her focus and realized the utility door was open, spilling fluorescent light onto the dark backstage area. A figure blocked the light for a moment, then the door swung shut, returning the corner to darkness. One of the crew members escaping out the emergency exit? No. If someone had pushed the crash bar from the inside, she would have seen the shadow with the light, not afterwards. But how could anyone have come from outside? That door was kept locked. And either way, she was pretty sure it was alarmed as well. All she could hear was shouting. What if it was the big eyebrow guy again? Or Abendroth Odeus come to steal her body for Achilles? Nix had no idea what she was supposed to do at this point. If she tried to haunt the place and distracted the fighters, the demon would commandeer her body before she could summon so much as a cockroach. But she couldn't just float there like a semi-transparent fool. She gave in to her chronic curiosity disorder. A quick scan backstage revealed nothing out of the ordinary. Various cast and crew were still huddled in groups. Sarah sat alone among the set boxes, talking on her cell phone, hopefully to get the police. Then a curtain moved. A white shape appeared. Two eyes glittered beneath a pillowcase mask. Although there was no aura of darkness around the figure, Nix could instantly tell it was the same person she'd seen in the mirror in Mr. Hainsworth's study. It was the same guy who had kicked Jordan in the face. Abendroth had finally come back for Sarah.